From ThatShelf.com, this is Black Hole Films. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. What's a black hole film, you ask? Well, you know those films you always meant to get around to watching, but you never did for whatever reason? Well, that's what they are. And this podcast is all about embracing them and checking those films off our lists and talking about them and whatever else happens to come up. I'm Canadian filmmaker Jeremy Lalonde, and I will be your host. You can follow me on Twitter at LalondeJeremy, or check out my website, JeremyLalonde.com, for more information on me and my projects. If you like the show, please subscribe to it, rate, review it, and leave a comment on whatever platform it is you're listening. It really does make a difference in helping to get more ears tuning in. And if you like this show, check out the others on the ThatShelf.com family of podcasts. And without further delay, let's get into this week's film. This is episode 131, and I'm sitting down to watch a bunch of movies by myself, uh, specifically the Evil Dead series. Uh, so I'm going to watch four. I'm going to watch the uh, the Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2, Army of Darkness, as well as the remake of the uh, the Evil Dead movies. So I'm not an entire virgin to this series. I accident not accidentally. In high school, a buddy of mine and I uh, used to have movie nights, and we'd make pizza from scratch, dough and all, and uh, and then we'd we'd marathon movies. And one night he picked Army of Darkness, and I can't remember if he didn't know that it was the third of a series, or I didn't know. Either way, I watched that thing. I went into that thing pretty cold. Um, uh, having not seen the the first two, and I still haven't, and I don't know why. I went to film school with people that were obsessed with these movies, um, and I know some of the references. I, I, I avoided seeing the uh, the musical when it was in Toronto because I knew I wanted to watch the films first, and uh, and I guess I was just looking for a good excuse to do that. So uh, a Halloween series of podcasts seems to be a pretty fucking good one. Uh, so yeah, so I'll keep this brief. I uh, I've seen the third one. I've been told that the tone of the series shifts over time, so I'm looking forward to checking that out and seeing how how it progresses. Uh, I believe I'll watch uh, the order that I'll do this in is evil is is the order they were produced in. However, um, I don't have a copy of Army of Darkness for some reason, so I've uh, I've got it on. Uh, on hold of the library. So if it comes in in time, uh, I will watch that in the right order. Otherwise, I might save that for the end, since the remake is just a remake of what I've been led to believe is the first two movies. So that might be an okay order to watch in as well. Although uh, my preference will be to watch this in production order. Uh, So yeah, so hang tight. I will be right back with my thoughts on The Evil Dead. Holy shit. Uh, so I'm back. So I guess the, the only thing I knew about this movie going into it, well, I knew a few things. I knew it was, you know, Sam Raimi's first film. I knew it was ultra low budget. I knew Joel Cohen worked on it, I believe, as a assistant editor. Um, and and what else? Oh, God. I knew one more thing. Oh, I mean, I knew Bruce Campbell went on to be in the other movies of the series. So I knew he was going to be 
if not the star of the movie, the uh, the hero of the movie, or at least the last one standing. So those are the things I knew going in. Man, what a ride this is. It's uh, I mean, it's cheesy and schlocky, and you can feel the low budget, but it's so endlessly creative and gory in such an over-the-top way. There's no surprise this thing became this giant cult hit and spawned an entire franchise and launched at least two careers, Bruce Campbell and, uh, and Sam Raimi. Bruce Campbell is easily the best best actor in this movie, and he's not amazing here. He's not terrible, but you can see the shades of what he will become as a performer. Um, you know, the first possession is wonderfully creepy as hell, comes out of nowhere. I really, really dug that. But then the next shot, like right after that scene, their friend's possessed. And then the next scene, Linda, I think it is, Bruce Campbell's girlfriend, she's just sleeping in the next room. She goes to bed. How the fuck does anyone go to bed after that happens? Riddle me that, Batman. I mean, Jesus, I don't understand. And then <laughs> they're constantly he's, they're constantly telling each other, oh, just go to sleep, get some sleep, we'll leave in the morning. Uh, Linda also just sleeps through the other... Shelly, I think it is, the one that gets in the basement. Her just freaking the fuck out and becoming a demon or whatever the hell those things are. Linda just sleeps through that. Probably because she's turning herself slowly. The rules of this world aren't particularly clear. Um, I'm going to let that slide. That's okay. (laughs) Why not? Uh, So, also, I guess, I mean, it's just the curse... They, they just wake up the evil or whatever it is. Uh, there's no real rhyme or reason for what happens to them other than, I guess, the, the guy on the tape recorder reads the, reads the enchantment and unlocks the book. They don't even do it. It's kind of an accident. Uh, but that works. I'll take that. Sure. I mean, the one complaint I have about this movie is that the characters are just stupid. You know, uh, the one girl lets, lets go this blood-curling scream and the other guy just casually gets up as slowly as possible, not in any kind of rush. Uh, you know, they're always going outside to either bury one of their friends or grab something. And no one's really worried about looking behind their shoulder or making sure their back isn't turned to any of these creepy elements. Even when, when his girlfriend Linda, she's turned and she's sitting on the floor laughing her ass off. Uh, he just kind of goes over to his buddy who's clearly dying and is chatting him up. His back is turned to her the whole time. I'm sitting there going, what the fuck are you doing? Like, like she's, what are you doing? It's crazy to me how, how irresponsible these people are acting throughout this movie. And they're, they're just really, especially Bruce Campbell's character, uh, is just constantly just doing the thing you shouldn't be doing in a horror movie. Which, I mean, that's that's the kind of movie this is, and that's fine. Uh, I mean, I say all that, and I complain, but I still enjoyed the hell out of it. You know, I thought this was, was a hell of a ride. Apparently, it was a nightmare to shoot. Uh, I just looked up some trivia on it real quick, which is not a surprise. I mean, they're out in the middle of fucking nowhere. I'm sure they had a crew of a dozen people, and they're all probably living together in that shitty cabin with no running water, uh... And it was just probably in shooting all evenings and trying to sleep during the day, which I imagine was a nightmare to do. Although maybe they blacked through the windows and they shot during the day. That would have been good. Uh, apparently they showed the movie to Stephen King, 
which is the endorsement on the, the 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 box or the poster as well, saying that it's the most unique horror film or horror something or whatever that he'd seen in a long time or ever maybe, and uh, and apparently it was that endorsement that they got from him that helped pave the way for the film getting a sale and then becoming going on to be what it was. I really like the stop motion, all the stop motion effects at the end after he throws the book. Uh, the Book of the Dead into the fire, and uh, and all of his friends start, uh, whatever, decomposing, I guess. Uh, but, I mean, the stop motion, it's clearly stop motion. It looks cheesy as hell, but fuck, it's so well done in such a over-the-top way. It's, it, I mean, that's the kind of filmmaking that's going on in here. If nothing else, like, <coughs> say what you will about the cheesiness of the acting and the dialogue and all that kind of stuff. You know, I said it a little bit ago, but it's like the inventiveness of this movie just can't be paralleled in terms of what is probably coming out of the independent system at that point. Uh, yeah, the, Raimi deserves all of the all of the accolades he got and the career he got out of this because you know what a movie. Uh, yeah, and then the evil is still lurking out there. They had that great shot that pushes all the way through the house. I think I read somewhere once about how they achieved all those those great tracking shots from the point of view of the evil, and uh, part of it was sh- was you know shooting the the film at a lower lower rate so that it would speed up. But also, I think they used some kind of like a ply piece of plywood and uh, roller skates or something like that. Uh, but very inventive, cool stuff like that, which is is the kind of thing I dig. Uh, so yeah, I like this in a really cheesy way, but it was also really legitimately creepy and horrifying. Uh, so I really dug that as well. I'm I'm pumped and looking forward to to diving into Evil Dead Two. So stick around; I'll be right back to tell you my thoughts on that one. It uh, I hope it picks up. Right where we left off. Good. Bad. I'm the guy with the gun. Alright, so we just finished Evil Dead 2. Dead by Dawn. Holy shit. Uh, This movie kind of picks up just where the other one left off. But it does this weird recap that also sort of resets the first movie so that it's just him and his girlfriend and the other three people just don't fucking exist, I guess. Uh, That's fine. Sure. I'll buy that. Uh, And also it gives a different, you know, the the book's no longer in the basement. It's just sitting out so they can set up this whole backstory, uh, which is great. And I love that. I was wondering when they showed the the photo in the, of the the drawing in the book of of Ash with the chainsaw in his hand back in the past. If they were going to be setting up Army of Darkness or leading into it, uh, but then they kind of uh, ended with him going into the past. So they yes, they absolutely one hundred percent did that in this movie. And mystery solved. Uh, yeah, I mean, I dug the hell out of this. I think the one thing that's great about this is 
this time around, you know, they really knew what tone they were going for the entire time. Uh, it wasn't just the mercy of some, you know, potentially not great actors. They just, they had an idea going with them and they went with it and they didn't hold back. Uh, so much they didn't hold back. I mean, Bruce Campbell and Sam Raimi, you can just tell these two have a love for slapstick and the Three Stooges. And almost, you know, the the whole film could have just been Bruce Campbell by himself fighting his fucking hand, and that would have worked for me. Goddamn, that stuff was great. I really, really enjoyed that. Uh, so from the get-go, we get that the bridge is taken out. We don't know how. Let's assume it's the evil has uh, has decided to take this bridge out somehow. Uh, sure, I'll buy that. And and I love the car chase it does away. It chases the car, and the car flips around. That technique is, is sparingly used in this movie a bit more than the first one, but it's used to great effect here, especially in that car chase sequence at the beginning. I really, really enjoyed that. The stop-motion Linda dance of naked Linda coming out of the ground and dancing around and picking up her head. Uh, I mean, you got to think that that was inspiration for Tim Burton for A Nightmare Before Christmas because some of that stuff just felt pure Jack Skeleton. Great stop-motion sequence there. Again, these you know this movie is just as inventive as the first, if not even more. You've got just great little moments like the deer heads coming alive with the evil inside them. Uh, a Bruce Campbell and his just doing what he does with his hand, dragging himself across the floor before he cuts it off. God damn, that's brilliant. And just super funny and creative and, and, and unique and interesting. God, it's just everything about it is so much fun. I like that Ash is smarter in this movie, at least seemingly. He's not making the same stupid mistakes he just made over and over again in the original movie just for the sake of giving us stuff for him to do in the plot. I mean, we let the other people be stupid, and they do it for us. You know, the movie conveniently gives us a whole new crop of people for Ash to interact with by setting up this backstory in motion and and having them come back around to it. I mean, I think that works really well. That's smart. And then we get the sense that Ash and, and the others that joined us in the first movie were more people that kind of interrupted a narrative that was already in progress. The fountains of blood that just come and go throughout this movie are pretty delightful. Uh, when he shoots his hand through the wall and then he just gushes blood. Uh, when she kills the hillbilly. Oh, not kills the hillbilly, but when the hillbilly gets dragged through the trap door. And then the blood just gushes out at her. I will say, though, that after the, all these mountains of blood... These these characters never seem to be as drenched as they are in the moment that they're being drenched. So Ash turning is such a great, awesome moment in the movie. Uh, and I'm sure Bruce Campbell insisted on it and really, really wanted it. But then they, they establish this brand new rule right in the thick of it that apparently love can transform you and, and save you and turn you back around and force the evil out, I guess. Uh, I mean, yeah, I guess we can introduce new rules to this world. We're just learning the backstories of it all as we go along anyway. Uh, it bothered me a little bit, but um, but I'll let it go that love can push the evil out. Sure. Uh, we finally get the handsaw that, uh, that Ash is so famous for. I think if anyone thinks of Evil Dead, they think of a handsaw. Uh, I got, I got a handsaw, chainsaw attached to a hand. 
is is one of the iconic images, and we don't really get that until like the third act of this movie. But it's used to great effect, and uh, I'm glad it'll be around entirely uh, moving forward. I might even dive into. So I realized I didn't have a copy of Army of Darkness. I also don't have a copy of the Evil Dead remake. I guess it was on Netflix for a bit, and so. I plan to get around to it a while back, but now it's off there. So I'll have to track those down. So stay tuned for what order I watch those in. Um, I might even watch the pilot of, uh, of the, the TV series just to include in this whole breakdown of all of this stuff. I certainly won't do a big giant um, deep dive into, into the two or three seasons that exist of the show yet. Um, but I'll definitely check out the pilot just to give a context for this conversation and podcast. Uh, so yeah, I really dug this. I like that the tone really uh, understood what it was from the get-go. I like that it felt bigger in terms of what they could do with all of the over-the-top effects. And yet it still kept the heart and soul of the original and the handmade quality of it all. I'm glad they didn't abandon that. Uh, yeah, I really dig uh, dig it so far. It's a lot of fun. And I look forward to revisiting either uh, Army of Darkness or, or checking out the, the remake uh, for the first time. Not sure which one I'm going to do, but you'll find out in mere seconds when I come right back. Let's go. Yeah. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. See this? This is my boomstick. It's a 12 gauge double barreled Remington. S Mart's top of the line. All right, so I ended up watching Army of Darkness, which, as I had mentioned at the beginning, I believe that I had already seen this one, and this was the only one I had seen in the series uh, leading up to this. So, yeah, I, I kind of had a vague memory of this movie and, and some of the, the bits and pieces, but it was really interesting watching it uh, shortly after watching the first two. And just what's really interesting to me about this series is just this evolution of tone and how silly and slapsticky it gets by this point in the series. Um, but it just it really knows what it is. It's, it's not scary or frightening the way the first film is at all. Uh, and it really takes the comedy and the slapstick, slapstick and slapdashery to the next level that it started off in two. It, and it's really kind of a totally different film, and, and it's interesting. It's 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 hard to even call it a horror film, really. It's uh, it's really just kind of watching Bruce Campbell uh, have a lot of fun with physical physical comedy, which I'm always a fan of watching. That kind of shit as well. I think it's hilarious that they keep on um, redoing the beginning and and even recasting Linda. Here, here we've got uh, oh messages. I will turn that off. Here we've got uh, here we've got Bridget Fonda playing uh, Linda. Um, and I'd have to look it up. I can't. I think she had done stuff by that point, so that that was a cameo uh, for sure. Uh, and I think I assume they had to. They keep on reshooting this, probably just to get it nice and tight, but also just so that it feels like this all takes place within you know a seventy-two hour period with Ash being the same age. Because I think they made all these movies about five years apart from each other, so Bruce Campbell 
over the course has has changed quite a bit physically. He's aged at least ten years, and and you can tell in his face. So I think that's that's a fun thing. That's probably just amusing and enjoyable for them to do. That uh, that's kind of fun to see in the movie as well. They really loaded this movie with one-liners. That's that's what I remembered too. I love the "This is my boomstick" bit. Uh, you know, good, bad. I'm the guy with the gun. All those great quippy one-liners are just fantastic. I love. There's this great throwaway moment where Ash returns with the Necronomicon. Uh, I think I said that properly. Uh, and everyone's just like praising him, but he's exhausted. He's just like, oh, shit, get the fuck out of my face. I, I forgot about that from my last viewing. I love that quick little bit. And I feel like that's definitely something that wasn't scripted that Bruce Campbell just did in the day, which is just super charming and, and fun for me. Um, I love uh, the, the little mini Ash sequence. It reminded me of the fight with the hand in the second one. Uh, although I have to say that the... Uh, him splitting into two with the evil Ash, which is required because he becomes the big bad. But it really, it sort of felt like an homage slash ripoff to How to Get Ahead in Advertising, for those who haven't seen that movie. Um, but it works because it, it becomes a different thing. But I wonder if that didn't have play into any kind of inspiration that the movie had. The gag going into the book was super fun, and the three different books saying, I, f- I remember the bit too, I think my favorite bit when I first saw the movie was uh, him insisting so arrogantly that he knew the goddamn words to the spell he had to say. And then by the time he gets there, he's not quite sure. And I, I just love that. I love you know that, that flaw in a character, the cockiness that comes back to bite them in the ass. And it's great here. It makes uh, Ash really you know human in a film that's really over the top. Uh, and the, the, the skeletons bit is just phenomenal. It really just goes over the top and showing, you know, Sam Raimi's love for slapstick and the Three Stooges and all that kind of stuff. That whole sequence, there's this half-hour sequence in the movie where he goes after the Book of the Dead. That's basically just Bruce Willis, Bruce Willis, Bruce Campbell in a series of scenes playing against himself. You know, there's the there's the evil Ash. There's the mini ashes. It's just really them just having a shit ton of fun with Bruce Campbell in various uh, moments. I mean, really, this entire film is just one set piece, an enjoyable thing after another. And, uh, and you can just sense that they're having the shit ton most fun of their lives. It's interesting. I know that apparently the studio went in and recut this film a bunch and delayed the release because of some other kind of feud that was going on between studios. So uh, I'd be curious how much has changed, because the movie's pretty great and still a lot of fun for me. Uh, You know, I dug it. So yeah, so I'm going to now source and track down the the remake that was done in, uh, I believe, 2013. So I'm going to do that next. I don't know if I'm going to have time to watch an episode from the the Ash vs. the Evil Dead TV show. I'll certainly try, but uh, I'm definitely getting up to the wall in terms of my deadline for, for getting this episode out. So uh, we shall see. But I'm definitely going to uh, check out the remake. So stick around, because I'll be right back with my thoughts on that. Well, hello, Mr. Fancy Pants. I got news for you, pal. You ain't leading but two things right now. Jack and shit. 
Alright, so I just finished the Evil Dead remake, titled simply Evil Dead. Uh, yeah, let me go through, I guess, my overall thoughts as I watched it, and then I'll give you my, uh, sorry, my general thoughts from when I watched it, uh, and then I'll end up with my overall thoughts. That makes sense. I like the intro. Uh, it, it's, it's a nice twist that we, we were in the daughter's point of view and then she's the one that's possessed. Very grabbing. Never comes back. It's kind of a useless fucking intro in the end. Uh, it kind of makes me think, I did hear one thing, uh, before this years ago about how this movie was almost like taking Evil Dead 1 and 2 and smashing them together. And so I guess that was... Uh, showing some kind of version of the uh, the the scientist or whatever he was in Evil Dead Two with the daughter that was coming to the cottage later. Uh, so yeah, that's the only thing I can think of was in terms of uh, combining the two. So it's interesting; they've kind of clearly decided on a melodramatic tone. Which uh, is interesting. I mean, I guess. I think ultimately, though, it just makes the film take itself just a little bit too seriously. And it's just way too ridiculous of a premise to do that. Uh, I think it could have been more interesting if it just decided to have a bit more fun with it. But instead, it almost feels like it's trying to be a CW show. Uh, I don't mean that in a good way. Not to shit on the CW. There's some great stuff on CW. Uh, this would not be it. I like that when they find the book, it's wrapped in wire and has clearly been <laughs> tried to be put away. Uh, it can't be destroyed, clearly. We see that later in, in when they try to burn it. But I like that it's uh, they put an effort in trying to keep it away from people. But of course, some stupid idiot still comes along and cuts it with wire cutters and decides to read it, even though the book, someone's written in the book, and is like, don't fucking, you know... Don't read these words. Don't do anything. It's interesting that you can't burn the book or destroy it, but you can deface it by writing in it in English. Uh, Unless it's written in blood, but that penmanship looks a little bit too thin to be be written in blood, all the English that's written over top of stuff. So, uh, yeah, it feels like it's red pen. I like that they actually have a real motivation for going to uh, to a cottage that it's they're trying to get his sister to uh, detox and so that's why they want to stay there and they need to stay there and they're not going to let her leave. That's great and that makes sense and that she they think she's putting them on when she wants to leave and she's saying she's seeing all these things. That feels nice and organic and is is you know pretty smart and clever for something like this. So now let's get into Jane Levy. I'll watch anything with Jane Levy in. It, she's one of my favorites. Uh, I think she's just fantastic. And this film gives her a phenomenal role. I love that, you know, the bulk of the film, we get to see her being possessed and just how much fun that is. And watching her just be this fucked up, amazing demon. But then ultimately, she kind of becomes the Ash character at the end, which is phenomenal. Uh, I, I kept on thinking that it's no way that her brother character is supposed to be the Ash character because fuck that guy is just vanilla as hell. You know, nothing against him. He's he's a fine actor. He didn't bother me by any means. I mean, the acting overall in this is hands down a million times better than the original film. Uh, but 
what it what it makes up for in that it just lacks in the ingenuity and the originality of of, of the first film. I'll get into that more. Uh, but yeah, I really like that it turned out to be her because it did feel like the movie was hers and belonged to her. And if this thing was ever going to continue on to other iterations in a franchise, we should be following her character because she was clearly the strongest actor and most interesting person in the movie. I love that scene where uh, she's the, the guy that summoned the uh, the demons in the first place walks in on, on Jane Levy just cutting her face the fuck up and they go after each other. What a great scene. What's her line? Your little sister is being raped in hell. I mean, that's just amazing. The arm cutting scene, the other girl, phenomenal. And then it comes back and then it just like drops at the last second. What a, that's hands down. Really, really great. And a nice fake out because we assume that that's the ash moment. That we're getting, that's the uh, the callback. So we, we're not expecting another one at the end when Jane Levy uh, puts the chainsaw on, finally. Again, we'll get back to that. Uh, I like that we tease the chainsaw in the shed, similar to how it's done in the original movie. Um, I love that Jane comes back. It's a bit strange that uh, her body is suddenly restored, but then I guess we get that reveal when she, her... Um, evil dead counterpart her own demon crawls out of the ground you know it's a nice metaphor that she has to fight uh, her demonic possessed self it's like you know when you're battling with drugs you're often fighting your your inner demons but she's fighting an actual manifestation of a demon Uh, and it's also a nice callback to uh, army of darkness where we got two ashes an evil ash and a regular ash so I guess that's as close as the film gets to kind of the cleverness and the originalness of the uh, of the the first three films. Love the, the the final moment with her with the feast on this motherfucker, putting the chains on her hand and cutting the demon in head. What a great shot too! That effect shot of the two sides of her head and her eyes are still blinking. That's fantastic. Uh, we knew the chains I had to be coming. We knew it had to be used. And again, so glad it was Jane Levy. Uh, and then at the very end of the tail credits, we get a, a really pointless Bruce Campbell cameo. I mean, I guess it's nice that he's in it and shows that this isn't just a, a remake or a reboot, but I guess a continuation of the story. It's more people finding this book years later. I mean, the film is interesting, but it just ultimately feels kind of pointless. You know, it's like, what were they trying to do here? They're, they're not trying to be more clever than the original films. Like, the inventiveness of all that slapstick crazy stuff they're doing with Bruce where he's like fighting his hand, he's fighting miniature versions of himself, fighting the book. You know, it just doesn't ever try to go into that territory, which I get. You know, they do pick a tone and they stick with it. Uh, They dance on the sillier side and the more over-the-top side of things. But for a film like this, just fucking go there. Like, what are you holding back for? I don't understand why you would you know try to ground this in any kind of sense in reality when the film is just calling for general mayhem and insanity give the people what they want i mean i don't know what they were trying to do i guess they were trying to convert a new, a new generation of fans for a new movie but clearly you know the diehards are going to try to check this out unless they're avoiding it just on principle alone 
But, I mean, the diehards are going to appreciate the bonkers, balls-out version more than anything. Uh, and that's the kind of thing that would have gotten more attention, just like taking what Raimi did so well and being a fucking lunatic with these movies and just pushing it to 11. You know, why make the toned-down CW version? I don't get it. So, yeah, I mean, sadly, I'm... Ending this series on a bit of a down note, uh, I don't think I'm going to get around to watching an episode of the series uh, in time to post this, but I'll probably check it out just for my own general curiosity. So that's that. That's the Evil Dead series. I'm glad I finally got through and watched all of them, and uh, having only seen Army of Darkness, my, my first go-around with these. So thanks for joining us for the Evil Dead series. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all Black Hole Films is a proud member of the That Shelf Podcast Network. You can listen to other episodes of our show and other That Shelf podcasts on thatshelf.com. Please subscribe, leave comments, spread the word, do all the things that let others know you like the show and how they can check it out. You can find me on Twitter at Lon Jeremy and go to Facebook and join the group Black Hole Films. And until next time, go watch something you've never seen before. Thanks. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat.